Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. As you dig into story and the character relationships, it always circles back to you you as a writer and some of the personal experiences you've had in life. This is BIPOC Credits, a podcast highlighting BIPOC crew members working in the BC film industry. Listen in to stories from behind the scenes of your favorite films and TV shows. Together, let's celebrate the progress we've seen so far in becoming a more diverse film industry. Plus, learn how you can be a part of the BC film industry. Here's your host, Andy Wong. Hey everyone, welcome to BIPOC Credits. Today's guest has been working as a writer in the Vancouver film industry for decades. He was a writer on the showcase series Blackstone to the more recent sci-fi series Ghost Wars until he finally developed his own show, The Murders, in 2019. Damon Vignelli is now a co-showrunner for the CBC series The Porter. The title of showrunner sounds all-encompassing, so in this episode, Damon breaks down what it is he really focuses on at work. Damon talks about his experience as a writer and the lessons he learned along the way. He goes into how he got his first show pitched and made after years of working in the writer's room. Damon's a huge supporter of the BIPOC community, and it was great to hear his inside stories of the changes he's seen in the film industry in the last couple of years. Finally, he gives some great advice as to how to get into the writer's room now and what agents look for in the new writer. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Damon Vignelli. Thank you so much for joining us on our show, Damon. Happy to be here. So you're currently working on the second season of The Porter, right? Yes. How has the experience been working on that show specifically? Yeah, you know, it's been really great. This is uh, the first time I've been in a situation where I'm co-show running. Mm. So my co-show running partner is Amory Murray, and um, we have a, a room of talented BIPOC uh, writers. It's also the first writing room I've been in that's 100% BIPOC. So that's um, been really a, an amazing experience for me. Right. Um, just in the... And the differences uh, in terms of, I mean, it is a black show. These are right. uh, you know, based on, obviously, the, the Porter history in Canada. Um, right. So uh, it's interesting to have a BIPOC room and speak into yeah. some of the things that these uh, Porters were going through, you know, a century ago and kind of drawing on, on parallels to what's going on in the world today. So and having writers who can speak into that. It's been really, really cool. Do you allow like the writers to 
add in their own experiences into the show. Amory and I come into the room and we have a general idea of, you know, of where we want to take the characters and, and the stories for that, for this season. However, as you dig into story and the character relationships, you're always, you know, it always circles back to you as a writer and, and, and some of the personal experiences you've had in life. And, um, yeah. In, in a way, that makes like the best stories too, when you can actually pull from your personal experiences. Of course, you know that makes it um, authentic. Let's say mm-hmm. a person of color, their their experience is is going to be very different in this world. And here, you know, being in a, a room with a group of people who are, are sharing um, in that experience, it's, it's, it was just the conversations were were very. Um, enlightening and fun and uh, it was a different experience for me yeah not a lot of writer rooms are actually in Vancouver Porter's writer room is in Toronto is that right yes we did it by zoom oh you so you guys do it by zoom yeah and you're right a lot there's not a lot of writing rooms in Vancouver majority are in Toronto because um, Mm. generally the writing room is in Canada anyway, um, if it's a Toronto show, Toronto production company and the showrunners out of Toronto, generally they're going to create a room there. And we all know mm. there's a lot more in terms of Canadian content. There's a lot more shows, Canadian shows shot in the East than um, the West. Uh, the pandemic really, as as you're aware, opened the the entire world up to corresponding and doing meetings uh, via Zoom, and um, writing rooms had to go, you know, follow that path as well. Would you hire a uh, someone that's from like BC or or you know Alberta to be a part of a writers' room that's in Toronto? Is that opening up in that sense now? All depends on the on um, the production, like you know essentially the showrunner and the producer and what they decide. Personally, I still like to be in a room where, um, you know, people are actually in the room. It's completely, you know, obviously a different experience, you know, when you're sitting beside someone and you're putting cards up on a board and it's just, it's very different than being on a, sitting in front of a computer all day. However, um, there are, you know, there are benefits to Zoom, which tend to primarily fit in the budget category. They can have a co-show runner on the other side of the country, like myself, who they don't have to fly into Toronto and put up in a hotel. And, you know, it saves a lot of money. What do you do as a showrunner? The showrunner essentially is responsible for the overall vision of the show. You're the head creative decision maker. So... Um, you're responsible first and foremost for the scripts. So from development, writing room, right into production. Uh, and you see the show throughout production, right through post-production. You're involved in the hiring of the department heads. When people ask me who aren't in the business, ask me about show running, I always use the example of a feature film. When you have a feature film, the the visionary of that show is the director. Mm-hmm. The writer, a writer of a feature film, might not even have, 
visit set. And if he does, it's probably, or she does, it's probably on their own dime. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The producer grabs a script and then the director takes over and, um, you know, puts the, his, his or hers vision on screen. When it comes to television, if you're shooting 10 episodes, you're usually shooting in, um, blocks of two. So now you've got five different directors on set at different times. No director is there throughout the entire season. They come in, they do their two episodes and they're gone. And then a new director comes in. There's no way a director could be the vision of a television, the visionary of a television series. The only common denominator throughout the entire process would be the head writer, the quote, the showrunner. And um, when one director leaves and a new director comes in and new, and if it's a procedural and, and new guest stars come in, the writer is the consistent person who's consist- consistently there through each episode, making sure the tone is the same, making sure, you know, in, in collaboration with their department heads. I mean, you, yeah. you know, hopefully have the same cinematographer throughout as well. Yeah, but, right. Um, it really is the writer's medium, and uh, the showrunner is um, is at the top of that. They are the they are the CEO of 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 the production. Um, in terms of the creator, you still have producers there speaking into yeah, and producers are more in charge of the logistics and budget. And they and some do speak into creative as well. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it sounds like though that not only are you in charge of the writers' room, you also have a say in post and during production. How yeah. do you balance? <laughs> how do you balance your schedule for all three of those things? Because they all happen at the same time, right? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It really is, mm-hmm. and um, you just surround yourself with really great people, and you know you. Uh, you would have uh, a showrunner would have what you would call a second, which would be a real senior writer who, when you're not in the writing room, they could hand, they could take over the writing room. Your right hand man, basically. Yeah. Or woman. Yeah. And for example, when I was on the murders, um, uh, a woman by the name of Karen Hill uh, worked with me in that regard. And she, if I wasn't handling the room, it was hers. And, uh, but she, she 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 knows what she knows what I want and and what the vision of the show is, so she's able to make sure that the scripts are aligned with that. Um, and yeah, once you're right, once you're in production, you're getting pulled into um, production design meetings, production meetings. You're speaking into art right. department, wardrobe. You're looking at casting. You are you know you're pulled in a lot of different directions. Uh, you have to delegate. Uh, when I say, and you know, as I said, hire great people. You hire you hire really strong um, department heads, and you let them do their job. Mm. And you're there to speak into uh, things as they as as need be. Um, you, but you have to delegate. Yeah. The, the, but when I when I got my first show, uh, the first thing I did was call a lot of the showrunners I'd worked with before and asked for advice. And um, the best advice I got was there's a lot of noise and you have to, you have to tune it out 
because there is a lot of noise. If you've worked in television production, there's so much going on. Yeah, and right. as a showrunner, the advice I was given is to focus on the things that you're going to see and hear on screen when it's done. And that's the writing, the actors, your directors, the editing, the music, the look of the show. So, you know, everything else, it's not that it's not important and it's not that you're not going to speak into it, but your focus should always be on your writers, your actors, your directors, your focus on those things. And that, that was, real. I found, I found a lot of, um, I found that to be true, uh, that, that those were the important areas to stay focused on when I, when I, when I did my first season of show running, because ultimately that's where the show, um, it, it, all those people in, impact what you're going to see in here when the show is on television. You know, you can't be in every meeting. So choose the ones. I'd rather go to um, a meeting with my director or my actors than um, maybe the wardrobe meeting. And it's not to say the wardrobe's not important. It's hugely important. Mm -hmm. But if I have to choose between two meetings, I'm going to go to, you know, set your priorities. Yeah. So how do you choose who to hire in the writer's room? And, and where do you find those writers that you're interested in? Before I talk to the writers I'll, about writers, I'll just finish with saying that as much as it is the showrunner's vision of the show and you're the showrunner, you need to have and generally do have producers who are working with you. And, um, and producers, you know, there's some really great creative producers out there. So, uh, I was on one show where uh, the wardrobe was handled by one producer that was, you know, mm. her passion and she saw, she knew what she saw for the show and it was in alignment with the showrunner and the showrunner could step away and go, you know what, that's, that she, she, she's got, it. I know something they didn't have to worry about. So you do have producers there. Uh, it's a collaboration. None of it matters if shit is coming out of the writing room. <laughs> yeah, you know, like just to cut it, just to be frank. If, you know, there's that old saying, if it ain't on the page, it ain't on the stage. And uh, as the showrunner, you know, you, the, your first priority above and beyond everything is delivering really great scripts like that is the that is the blueprint for every show like the writing has to be great and you're responsible for that um you can't you know when you hire writers and if a writer isn't getting a, a script where it needs to be then you have to step in and you need to do a pass on it to get it where it needs to be the bro the, the network doesn't care um all they care is they want they want they want a script that is going to be shootable and looks great on, on their television when they present it, and yeah. so you're responsible for that. And you hire writers that you feel are going to make that job easier for you. How do you hire writers? Um, I you know speaking for myself personally, you know I've been lucky to work on a number of shows. So you get to you get to know a lot of writers. So you go, yeah, if I had a show, I would definitely want this person, that person. Gotcha. Cause you see talent, you, you know, want to work with people you like, uh, this, you know, it's a tough, tough 
business and it, <laughs> you don't need to make it tougher by <clears throat> working with assholes. So um, that's important. Uh, and then there's all the little things that, you know, you want, for me personally, I want gender parity in the room. I want diversity. <clears throat> I want young writers. I want senior writers. Uh, you know, I want that perfect mix where uh, the voices speaking into any given topic are coming from from a lot of different experiences. Mm -hmm. I do not want, uh, you know, um, somebody, a, a mutual appreciation group where we all pat ourselves on the back and tell us, each of us, how great we are. I don't want, I don't want someone who writes like me. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't want people who, who are going to challenge um, the show to be great. And so uh, if you can, you know, it's, it's not easy, you know, it's, and, yeah. and look, um, you want a diverse room and sometimes diverse writers aren't available or, you know, the writer you want is not available or, or the one that is, is a comedy writer and you've got a thriller and it's just not a right match. And so, you know, <clears throat> it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a juggle. Yeah. And then on top of that, it's important to note that generally there's net, what you call network approval. So even if I do have my list of writers, they all have to get passed through the network. They all have to be approved. And if one isn't, then you have to go back out and find somebody else to replace that person. And they might even have a couple of people where they're kind of pushing you towards. Well, it sounds like with that process, then it, it might be harder for a newer writer that's trying to get into a writer's room. I've been, I've yet to be in a room where this isn't the case. The industry pretty much is supportive of having at the very least, one new young writer in every room. Oh, okay. Oh, that's really great. I want, as I as I mentioned, I want a young writer in the room as much as I want a senior writer. That young young writer who you know, and a young writer doesn't necessarily mean that they that they could be young in their career. I'm going to use an example that's specific to young in age, but doesn't necessarily have to mean that. Right. But if it say it was a 23 year old writer um, starting his or her career, their viewpoint is like super, super important. You know, the stories I'm telling in every show have youth in them. And I want I want that 22, 23 year olds perspective. Yeah. More oftentimes not, they're going to call bullshit on that. No, you know, they would never say that. Right. okay what, what would they say and they tell you or you know what i mean like you want all those voices in there for that reason otherwise uh, the show is just better for it so broadcasters networks they're always going to be supportive of having um a, a mix of young and uh experienced writers in the room so what would you recommend new writers who are trying to break into the industry do to get their work noticed and and to get into the room? I would say the, the first thing, first and foremost, is that they're always writing. Always. I, you know, I, so many, I, I meet with young, young writers and um, they have a script 
and let's say it's a great script and and I'll tell you know I'll read it and I'll go this is really good I mean you know awesome I go what do you you know you need to go out and write another one just like it and they kind of look at you and I'm like yeah and start right now because yeah. here's the thing we all we all write that first script and we think it's the best thing in the world and it's going to make the greatest show and it needs to get produced and and it should and it probably and let's just say it is great the the reality is and I don't mean this to sound put a big downer on things it's it's just the reality of the reality of shows that actually make it through that that maze of of all the little challenges and actually end up in production is like so you know, it's such a long shot. However, um, that's not to say yours, you shouldn't be shooting for that or yours can't make it. What it is to say is when you finish that script, what you have, not only do you have, not only are you putting yourself in the conversation of that being a possibility for, for you, you've now got that, but almost more important, you have a sample of your work. And, um, when even for myself, when a producer is not familiar with me and they're considering me for something, though my agent will send them a sample of my work. They don't want to read a script I wrote on motive or a script I wrote on family law or the murders. They're not interested in that. What they're interested in is in an original piece because that way you get to see the writer's true voice. You're not seeing the, sh the, the show they were working on voice of that showrunner yeah. know what that show is you're seeing when this writer is given the wide open world to write anything they want this is what they wrote because they were the showrunner of their own pilot script you're reading yeah you get to see all the decisions they make the, their their voice people want to read original material so to answer your question because i don't think i answered it um you asked you know how does a writer get noticed Mm -hmm. And I said, I said, yeah, just keep writing, write great material and get it out there. You know, you, you just meet people, have people, um, you know, just get as many people you can to read your scripts, reach out to agents. Um, you need a champion. I always say that mm. you need a champion. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend, but what won't change needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, 
Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. And what do you mean by that? Well, that's why an agent is great. That's somebody mm. else speaking on your behalf saying, look, this, this, I got this great writer. Like, you, you need to read them. Um, and if it's not, you know, and, and it's not always easy to get an agent. So if you're having difficulty there and, you know, a producer or, you you know, if you've written a pilot, production companies are always, their development execs are always looking for new great ideas. Then get it in there. If a development exec really likes your writing, that company may have a show in production that they, they're now telling the producer, hey, we, I just read this young writer who's amazing. They might be good for this show that we have going. We should, you know, producers have the showrunner's ear. They're always saying, look, you should consider this writer, that writer. I mean, I would say maybe if you put in six writers in your room, Half of those writers are coming from recommendations from your 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 producers, the network, you know, right. because some of the writers you know are already working or unavailable. Like you're you're getting it from you're getting um, suggestions from a lot of places. So getting your work in front of producers is also good. How about creating your own short films? Excellent idea. Yeah, I wouldn't have a career if I didn't do that. So that would be my next. And this one's a little tougher because not every writer is, wants to direct or is a director. Right. But for myself, um, I started out making independent films and I would write a script and then I'd go out and I'd make the film. Not everybody has that um, ambition, let's say. Then you want to get your, you know, you want to meet other young directors, write a mm. short film get a young director to help them, help them make the film, maybe, you know, produce it with them, do whatever you right. can. Today's cameras and everything, it doesn't cost a lot of money. Write a short, just write a great little short film in a house, shoot it in your house, whatever you need to do. If that short happens to go out and get in festivals and, and, and if you're so lucky to win a little, you know, win an award somewhere, those things are all really helpful. It's, it's again, it's just more now when you're talking to a producer or an agent, you've got your feature pilot script. That's amazing. And, oh yeah. And I just, you know, I wrote a short film and it won, uh, you know, the one uh, an award at TIFF and th th those, those things people notice people, people do care people, about that. 
they do. Yeah. And um, I know you mentioned the Pacific Screen, um, uh, Screen program. Writing program. Yeah. Yep. Apply to that. Apply to the Canadian Film Center. Those programs are set up to not only take you through them, they will actually introduce you to producers mm. and agents at the at the end when you're completing it. So I know yeah. I know a couple of writers who've been through those programs and got agents through that. We'll circle back to the PSP in a in a moment, but I, I do want to get your opinion on uh, what makes a what differentiates a good script and a bad script? <laughs> Very subjective. I'll say this. Um, a good script uh, jumps off the page. I can always tell when a writer in, really enjoyed what they're writing. Mm. Sometimes you read something and, you, and, you, you know, and you're like you know, five, six, seven pages in and you, you just go, this writer really, really is liking what they're writing. You can just, it's just, you just feel it. Um, aside from those um, very um, immediate things when you're reading, speaking in from a bigger perspective, you know, something the industry is always looking for is something that's a really original and um, and is exciting and come you know isn't in the marketplace right now and and um, you know something people can get excited about. P- producers are always looking for the next great show. When I started, it was all about feature films. I know today, I would say today, television is the driving force of yeah of storytelling now. Chances are, I would say 90% of the writers I'm talking to, they're writing a pilot script for a series. And a pilot is tricky because you're setting up the series and it requires a lot of uh, elements unto itself that are different than episode two, three, four. It's, you know, it's, it's like the grab, grab you and hold your attention and shake you up and go, holy fuck, what, what am I watching here? I can't wait to watch the next 10 episodes. Right. Yeah. So I would suggest read books, watch pilot episodes of other shows, read pilot episodes of shows, really invest in understanding what a pilot episode is, Mm -hmm. because you're not just writing a one hour television show. You're writing a pilot for a one-hour television show, and they are their own thing. When you're approaching producers about uh, with a pilot script, what what kind of things do you need to prepare? Like a bible? I would just say write the pilot. Mm-hmm. Here's why: when it goes into development, then that's when you're going to kind of really put together that show bible and dig further in. That's part of the development process. Um, I. Personally, I go out with a small, I call it a mini Bible. If you go to a network, you need that. But these, mm. but what we're talking about is a new writer going to producers. That was your question, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're going to producers. Uh, I personally think the pilot script is enough. Gotcha. And if they really like it, then they're going to probably – Take your script and you and team you up with a with a senior writer who who with a showrunner 
and moving forward, you will put together all the elements of a of a Bible and all that stuff. But if you're a more experienced writer trying to get a show going, um, then you would need a Bible um, to show network. Yeah, I, I uh, tend to write uh, a pilot script and a mini Bible. My this this is my personal opinion. I don't want to give people too much <laughs> too much <laughs> right. to, to react to, right? Yeah, right. And that's why I call it a mini Bible. I have you know a little bit on the characters in there, the tone of the show, what some of the touchstones for the for the series is, uh, what the setting is, you know, a little synopsis of what the overall uh, series storyline will be, right. That all can, sounds like a lot. You could write pages and pages on that. I tend to be very concise and keep it tight and small. And this first stage for me, getting my script in front of a producer with a Bible, is I'm selling them on the concept of the show. I feel if you load them up with a 50-page Bible, and some people think, oh, they'll see that you've got it all figured out, and that's you're just it's just too much information sell them and then you get into that stuff when you go to a broadcaster right do you uh make your bibles in point form yeah no the bible is a whole uh, see that's a whole other um art unto itself because <laughs> now you're writing prose and it's um uh, and it's a sales document that's a, mm. i think that's really important for people to look at it that way like this is a sales document so you want to write a really great synopsis that sounds like amazing you want to write about your characters that sounds really informative and um you know uh like you've done the work and you really know these characters but you want to write it in a way that it's exciting to read including your pilot don't save if you've got a great idea for episode two and three, put it in your pilot. Pull it all forward, put it in your pilot. Your pilot is a sales document. Yeah. Right, right, right. That makes sense. You're selling your show. And put the goods, put the great stuff in your pilot. And worry about episode two to ten later. Everything is you're selling right now. And you're selling yourself as a writer. Let's circle back to uh, your work on the Pacific Screenwriting Program. Can you talk uh, about that program and, and uh, why you decided yeah. to be a mentor on it? It um, is an amazing program for a, um, a writer just starting out. And the reason is, um, first off, I believe they anybody can apply and um, and then they, you know, and often they do get like probably a hundred submissions. And I think they take it down to about, it's all based on your writing. And so you do need to have a script. You need, you take that great pilot you've written. They, I, I can't remember how many people they invite, six, eight people. Here's where the real amazing thing is, is you get to work with a, a, an experienced showrunner on a project that the showrunner um, is working on themselves and you get to break, you actually get to be in a writing room and break episodes, uh, of, of that, whatever that show is. And so you get to experience the, what it's like to be in a room and, 
and and get some some knowledge around that. While at the same time, I believe it's set up to um, also help you on your own personal script. I'm just speaking from what I understand. Like I'm not involved with the school. Towards the end of the term, I believe they set each of the writers up with a mentor. Mm-hmm. So they reached out to me um, to uh, mentor one one student, and, I, and I've done that also with the um, Canadian Film Center. I've mentored a student there, and I read their work and give my comments. And they're now um, connected to somebody who's in the industry. I can say that I help one writer. I help mentor. I help get an agent. You know, then pe- people will help you on your next step in the path. So, so that's the right. school, school. These schools are really good for that. Do you think that like producers and networks um, care if you've taken that program? Definitely. It's just a good thing. Yeah. It's not required. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of like winning a, a award at a festival. It's a good thing. And, and, and to even get in those programs, you, you're, you've already went through a process where they've selected the, the people who end up in that class, ideally, are all really talented writers because they've been chosen of 100 mm-hmm. applicants. So yeah. um, and that's kind of reason why it's good to have an agent, because an agent isn't going to re- put their reputation on the line for a writer who isn't any good. So there's, it's like these vetting processes and <clears throat> including a film festival. A film festival chooses right. films that they think are good, are the best amongst the submissions they've got. So there are all these vetting situations that you've been able to get through and that can only be a good thing. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, well, I'm going to end it off here with uh, some rapid fire questions I ask everyone. Um, what's the worst advice you were ever given? I guess the worst would be that I can't, you know, you can't do this. Like You got that one too, yeah. I think everybody in the business, like when you start out to say, yeah, I'm going to direct movies or I'm going to write television. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, you know, knock on wood, you know, it's, I've been really lucky to be blessed and have so much, you know, I'm grateful to have the career I do, but it, not everybody gets to, to, to play in the sandbox. And because there's so many people outside of it, you'll often get, you know, a negative response. And if we're talking about BIPOC, uh, the BIPOC community, there's never been a better time in the history of yeah. television and movie making to, to go out. It doesn't make it any easier. It makes it, you know, we use that in quotations. There's a, it's, it's always going to be a competitive uh, and challenging field to be in. Um, yeah. but it certainly is, uh, better than it was. There's no question. Uh, what's the best advice you were ever given? Best advice. Um, best advice would be, um, when I, I, as I mentioned, when I started out, I wrote and the only way I could get my writing out there was to direct and produce it myself. And, um, so that mean that meant I was raising money for a low budget independent film uh-huh. And I had um, a person who gave me a little bit of money and they said, um, just always remember the money is just as important as the creative. 
Why I say that was good advice is when I went through independent filmmaking, um, I always treated people who were investing in the films with as important as important as the creative side because they you need each other for for the project to happen and now that i'm in television um the money is represented by the network and it's as a showrunner um it's always important to remember that they they are they're the client you don't, you can't just be, you know, I'm the creative and this is my show and this is how it's going to be. You are going to be getting network notes mm-hmm. on every draft of every script, on every outline. Right. You can't cast the show just how you want. It, it needs network yeah. approval. I mentioned before you need network approval on your writers and, they, and you're going to have to have network approval on your directors as well, even your editors. Yeah, right. So they, they have a say in everything. And you can look at that as um, a real, you know, it should be my way or, you you know, (laughs) the fact of the matter is they're paying for it. Uh, What would you tell your younger self before starting in this industry? (laughs) Uh, I think there's a a building in Vancouver. When you go over, I think, the Georgia Viaduct and... uh, And on the top of it in neon and at night it's lit, lit up and it just says, everything's going to be okay. I think it says something like that. <laughs> and and uh, I think that's what I tell myself. Everything, everything's going to be okay. It's a tough business. And after every gig, after every job I finished, it's like, oh my God, am I going to, am I going to have another one? You know, every writer I talk to, every working writer, you know, you finish right. your gig and about two weeks later, you start to get itchy. You're like, oh, my God, I don't have a job. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and you know, you just I would tell myself everything's going to be OK. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure there's something wiser I can tell my younger self. That's what comes to mind now. I don't know. That's that's that one's pretty good because, yeah, <laughs> when you're working like contract to contract, you never know when your next paycheck's coming. And like, I think that would be mine as well, because back when I was younger, I had that fear of like, oh, when's my next paycheck going to come? And now, like, I've worked in the industry for a while. It's going to come. Everything's yeah. going to be okay. Yeah. You know what it is? It's a it's a game where if you have to stay in it. That's the game. You have yeah. to stay committed. So many people I know leave and go on to other things. But if you stick around long enough, sooner or later something's going to happen. Yeah, the sign actually says everything is going to be all right. Is that what it says? Did you look it up on the internet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everything's going to be all right. That, that's what yeah, I Everything's going about. to be all right. Um, in your opinion, what does a more diverse film industry look like? Yeah, I guess it would be, you know, in a perfect world where we don't need to actively seek out, you know, diversity and create mandates to to mm-hmm. to have equality that it just is yeah yeah that it just naturally comes to us as a society yeah and unfortunately there are active um mandates within companies within mm-hmm. broadcasters um and they're good and hopefully you know it's a great start i think yeah. yeah you need unfortunately that's what's needed to yeah. um to 
to get towards a place where it feels equal. For sure. Well, thanks so much. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Thanks, Andy. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Damon. If you want to learn more about above the line positions, check out my conversation with Ingo Liu and Amy Fox last season, where they talk about production managing, producing, and the hardships they faced getting a project on the go years ago. As always, please go follow us on Instagram. Our producer Nightingale consistently promotes upcoming events and opportunities for BIPOC crew members. So check that out. If you missed anything on Instagram, we have an episodic newsletter where you can find all that information as well as additional information on our guests. If you want to support our podcast, go leave a review on iTunes. That really helps us. But most importantly, share this with your writer friends, aspiring filmmakers, anyone who you think could really benefit from this episode. Hope you guys have a fantastic week and I'll see you on set. Thanks for listening to BIPOC Credits by Andy Wong. This episode was produced by Nightingale. Our editor is Rihanna Toy. Graphics by Joshua Lamb. Theme music by Peter Robinson and Patrick Fiore. Intro and outro voiceover by Mike Lee. Thank you to our community partner, culturebrew.art, for supporting us. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and Instagram at BIPOC Credits. If you're enjoying what we're doing here, subscribe to our newsletter to get all the juicy information we didn't quite get to in this podcast. Thank you once again for listening to BIPOC Credits. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary. Not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.